Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, I'm Kirsty. And I'm Kelsey. And it's time to hate watch with us. Welcome to our variety show for sarcastic people. Sometimes sarcastic, tired people. <laughs> Sometimes it's just a variety show for yawning people. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> so back at the end of November, Kelsey and I spent some time talking about what our content plan was going to be in December. And we went back and forth about a lot of different content. And ultimately, we were like, let's not be too Christmassy. Let's not spend too much time on Christmas. So you want to know <laughs> what we're bringing you this week? We're going to bring you two Christmas movies. <laughs> yeah, hate watch our choices. <laughs> hate watch all of our choices. So first, inexplicably, we're going to be talking about an Amazon original American Girl doll movie. Inexplicably, inexplicably, we've set a precedent that we are the go-to podcast for all things American That's Girl true. Doll. That's true. So, yep, American Girl Doll Christmas right here at Hate Watch. Mm-hmm. And then we are going to be continuing our Hate Watch of Hallmark Christmas movies with The Mistletoe Inn. Yeah. Which, based <laughs> on what I'm seeing on Twitter, this might be the most universally hated Hallmark Christmas movie. <laughs> Um, yeah. (laughs) Stiff competition right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. But let's hop back in time to 1955 or whatever the fuck. It was 1955. Oh, look, I remember some stuff sometimes. (laughs) Hey. hey Hey Heyo. Listening comprehension, what's up? You want to talk us through this here, this here movie we watched? Yeah, I do. <laughs> if you want to call it a movie, I like to call it a long episode that dragged on for my entire life. I mean, it was less than half of a Game of Thrones episode. It was so long. <laughs> it was a 48-minute film. <laughs> right. It was also the longest 48 minutes. Like, if you only have an hour left to live, watch this movie. It'll buy <laughs> it you time. It will. <laughs> Uh, it was also, from my understanding, the only Amazon original that's been made that's an American Girl doll property. And I could only access it on my TV by going back to my previous searches for the Americans that happened to still be there, and then scrolling past all of the other things that come up until I find it, which was like eight pages of search results. (laughs) It was really hard to find. I spent like a week doing searches on Amazon Prime for it. I kept pulling up nothing. And then I, I switched the search term by one word, and it was the first result that came up. I was like, oh, sure, Amazon, that's mega chill. Yeah, they really don't want us to watch this, and I don't know why, but maybe I do. Well. It's about a a little demon named Mary Ellen. (laughs) She's a treat. She's like American Girl doll age, whatever that (laughs) may be, 10. (laughs) That sort of nebulous middle childhood. (laughs) Right. And she lives in 1955, and she's part of a big family And she's an attention seeker because of that. She's a middle child. And she learns the true meaning of Christmas. She gets her Christmas boner, if you will. (laughs) 
when <laughs> when she learns how to listen to others and put them before yourself. Yes. That's the lesson, right? Yep. Okay. Um she's like I'm going to let you take the lead on this, but there's a lot of attempts at feminism. <laughs> There's a Glenn. There is a Glenn. Which is the highlight of this movie. Yes. Uh, she really likes snow. But it, in a Hallmark kind of way where it's like mentioned, but it's never connected to anything meaningful in the plot. It's just a thing that we're supposed to accept matters. Right. To be clear, it's snow from Georgia. Hey, where the fuck in Georgia must they live to have snow? I don't know. It's 1955. It was simpler times. <laughs> All that global warming hadn't hit yet. Yikes. Uh, it does open with a Christmas cheer montage, which is my least favorite kind of montage. <laughs> so that was fun. The way that you know that she's a free spirit who wants to stand out from the ordinary is uh, it opens with... The Christmas cheer montage of a department store window display because that's the only thing going on in 1955 and she's in it pretending to be a model and then her mom comes in behind her and is like Mary Ellen get out of the window yeah and she's wearing pants and everyone flips their lid because she's <laughs> wearing pants and like look I, I know what the 50s were like I've seen some history I'm not new here However, women did occasionally wear pants in the 50s. Right. And when she gets pants at the end, she already has shirts to go with them. So, like, right. what was she wearing before? I mean, skirts, I guess. I mean, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's dresses or pants. There's no in-between. <laughs> I literally don't wear skirts, and now everyone knows. <laughs> Yeah, as it turns out, there are articles of clothing that require shirts to go with them. I just, I, yeah. Yeah, so she wears pants and freaks everybody out. And then they go home and she's supposed to have some some obscure someone is coming to stay with them because he has polio. Right. Um. So, you know how we talked in our first um, American Girl Doll episode about how each movie is based on like a historical moment? Yeah. So the historical moment for Mary Ellen was the polio vaccine. Right. Um, so they spent a bunch of time talking about the guy who invented the vaccine and how the vaccine, like, changed the world. And that's what makes him extraordinary. Blah, 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 blah. So polio kids are, like, the recurring theme. Well, because she was a polio kid, too. She was also a polio kid. So this polio kid is coming to stay with her. And she wants to make their house extraordinary because it's the 1950s and every house looks exactly the same and she doesn't like it. So she, like, splashes a bucket of red paint on the door. Yeah. And then, like, throws it on everybody. Yeah. starts throwing paint around. And then wakes up in the middle of the night to throw paint thinner on the doorframe to make it cleaner or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's unclear what's happening with the door, but it's a lot of bad choices. The door was, like... A constant, also recurring theme. Spent a lot of time on the door. Yeah. Um. So her whole search is for what makes her extraordinary. And we know this 
because her mother is trying to say to her that you don't always have to stand out. Sometimes it's okay to just, like, go with the flow. And she says, doesn't that make things ordinary? What if I want to be extraordinary, like extraordinary? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, she's a lot. <laughs> she has some good one-liners. She's talking about the polio kid, and she says, so he gets a new leg for Christmas? <laughs> That's not the Christmas boner you asked for, but it's the Christmas boner you got. <laughs> there were so many allusions to the metaphorical things people are getting for Christmas. Yeah. Often all about the same kid. Like, the same kid got, like, seven different things for Christmas. He was a little spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's maybe take it easy on the polio kid. <laughs> <laughs> He got his leg. You know, not my polio, not my problem. (laughs) (laughs) And then we randomly find out that the thing that makes her extraordinary is that she can draw. Right. We just find it out out of nowhere. And if all of her attention-seeking behavior, that's the one thing she doesn't want to share with anybody. Right. So then she gives a bunch of polio kids drawings for Christmas, and it's a very special Christmas. It is. At one point I did write <laughs> write down she wants to express herself the only way she knows how, <laughs> through snow. <laughs> so there's this whole subplot where she's trying to go to her grandparents' house in Georgia alone for Christmas so she doesn't have to be with her siblings. Which is, like, maybe the only way in which I related to her. <laughs> um, and she's like, well, I want to go to Georgia because they have snow. So then, long story short, she does a nice thing and doesn't go to Georgia. And so her mom pays for the grandparents to come to them in Florida. And they bring a cooler full of snow. They do. She's like, that must have been one bomb-ass cooler for it to have that kind of holding power and have been produced in 1955. Right. Also... When you take it out of the cooler in a Florida climate, I don't think it just, like, stays intact to throw about. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't think you just start throwing snowballs at people. Right. I mean, I don't know. I've never done it. (laughs) You've never brought snow to Florida? No. (laughs) It's weird. I know. (laughs) Um, Can we talk about Glenn, though? Let's talk about Glenn. Glenn was my favorite because he was a straight-up ripoff of Glenn. Yeah. For those of you who don't follow our inside jokes carefully, <laughs> um, which I know you're in the minority, uh, Glenn is the kid from Mad Men, who is also Matt Wienerweiner's kid. <laughs> Side note. Uh, so this movie had a Glenn. He was also sort of small and creepy. But, like, same haircut, same yes. hair color, same attire, yes, same general attitude, same level of sass. Oh, he was a total douche. Yeah, but I loved it when he (laughs) burned her so bad, and he was like, you just want attention, you don't care about the polio kids. (laughs) And she's like, no, but yes. (laughs) Not my polio, not my problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He was a treat. He was a treat. The dad also definitely super wished he was Don Draper. There was some weird shit going on with dad. Yeah, I didn't really get his deal. So dad's only characterization is that he's a professor 
and he always makes each member of the family ask a good question, quote unquote. Yeah. Like, that's how they get things, and they have to do it before they can either get things or move on to the next thing, and every one of them has to go around and do it. Yeah. And it's supposed to, he's like an engineer or something. Yeah, I think. I think so, because they have that whole conversation at dinner about how women can also be engineers. Yep, yep. So I think the idea was supposed to be like, be curious and inquisitive about the world. I don't know. Yeah. It was, that, but that that's all they gave him? That was his whole character? And they're something. like, oh, dad, do you make your students ask questions to get stuff too? And he's like, huh, yeah. Do you <laughs> think that the male characters were less fleshed out than the female characters in this movie, though? Yes. Do you think it was on purpose? I mean, it's the American Girl universe, so probably. They get, like, a little brownie for that. I suppose. Not a big brownie, a little brownie. I suppose. But speaking of that, <laughs> do you want to tell me your feels about feminism? Yeah, so there were, like, two major subplots that touch on this that come up constantly in this movie. So one of them, her mom, who's a stay-at-home mom, um, like, classic 50s housewife, worked in an airplane factory during World War II. And did she say she was, like, the manager of it or some yeah. shit? She was, like, high power in the factory. And so she and Mary Ellen have this whole conversation about how when the men came back, she had to leave her job and she wasn't given a choice. And she's, like, kind of being a sad puppy about it and at the same time trying to be like, but motherhood is great. That's my favorite job. Right. Uh, which is, like, probably true to her credit. But also, she's being a sad puppy about it. Mm-hmm. And that's, so then Mary Ellen spends the rest of the time finding inconvenient ways to casually bring up in conversation that her mom worked in an airplane factory and that women can do anything. Yeah. Which leads into the second subplot where she has this much older sister who's like a senior in high school who's dating a guy. And this is where I learned about getting pinned. Yeah. It's not a thing I'd ever heard of. It does not mean getting boned. It does. Well, I mean, it could have. It could have, but... Probably meant necking, which was, like, the boning of their time. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't explicitly mean getting boned. <laughs> I think it alludes to the eventual boning to come. <laughs> we'll do more research and report back. <laughs> we'll tell you more. But anyway, apparently, pinning was a thing that happened in the 50s where you would get your boyfriend's fraternity pin... And it was like a promise ring, basically. So yeah. you got a pin, then it meant that you were going to get engaged at some point. Right. It just, like, seems like a lot of steps to go through. Yeah. So she gets pinned, and she's hiding it from her family. And Mary Ellen, of course, spoils the whole thing and tells everyone over a miscommunication, and it was, like, a whole thing. She is but a demon. She's a complete demon. But the older sister reveals later that the reason she was hiding it is because she was afraid that if she got married then she'd have to become a housewife and couldn't go to college and become an engineer or like do whatever else women can do and it's like a whole thing yeah it was similar to the american girl doll movies we watched many moons ago in the sense that it was one of those things that kind of felt like it probably had its own mini chapter book somewhere and they were like let's just sweep it into this movie yeah what bothered me about 
this movie in the American Girl universe is what bothered me about, like, a lot of the, what the fuck, 20th, 20th century? Is that right? Uh-huh. It's always a year ahead. Yeah. Or a century ahead. A century um, ahead. Yeah. The 20th century American Girl dolls just don't have the hardship <laughs> that the other ones have. Yeah, it's true. So, like, this girl doesn't have real problems. Like, she had a polio vaccine, and she's living her life in Florida. And she's upset because she's ordinary. Right. And she doesn't get attention. Right. Like, Felicity had to put up with some shit with Jiggy Nye. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not forget. <laughs> and Kirsten had to take a, like, whole trip across the world. And sure. ride in a covered wagon and some shit. <laughs> like, they had real problems. They have real problems. Yeah, I don't, there's, like, nothing to hold on to with this girl. Like, I mean, I kind of get what Mary Ellen's deal is, but I don't, like, I don't want a Mary Ellen doll. No, but that's, like, my point. I don't point. think she's cool. When they started making newer ones, like, this one, I guess, is a doll, I'm assuming. But th- there were a lot that started to come out from this time period, and they're all, like, the same basic agenda, which is, like... Right. I have personal problems <laughs> that are not that bad, and also, like, I'm a privileged, middle-class white right. kid. Right, And it doesn't really help all the, like, little girls who get, like, involved in them. Right. You know, like, they're gonna relate to that, I guess. I guess. But they're not getting the same type of thing that they got out of them at one time. No, and I guess they're learning, like smaller lessons too like don't get me wrong learning to listen to others and think about how your actions impact others and like checking your motivations are all important lessons so I'm not like trying to knock that but I think sort of what Mary Ellen's takeaway was was very small when you compare it to like Samantha who literally freed someone from child slavery (laughs) right and then adopted her so that she could have a proper family right that orphan (laughs) liberation (laughs) Like, it's just, a, it's just different stakes. It is. And, like, I don't know if that reflects the way that our society is afraid to expose children to, like, the big, bad, terrible world. So they were like, let's, you know, take it down a notch. Yeah. But it does feel, like, a little bit more sterilized and smaller. It does. I did appreciate, like, kudos to Amazon. That they made it a very vibrant movie, mm-hmm. which is a weird thing to say, but a lot of period pieces just have a filter on them. Right, everything's orange. Yeah, and this definitely did not, so it felt more timeless than it could have. Although it also felt a little bit stripped of, like, any periodness. Like, they yeah. had one car, you see, like, two shots of the inside of the house... They had really great dresses. They did have fantastic dresses. The older sister was killing it. Yeah, she was. I want everything in her wardrobe. And the mom had great hair. They also had my actual kitchen. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Which was didn't feel that great. <laughs> oh, it's true. Living in a time warp. Yep. Here in my closet. <laughs> That New England life, though. (laughs) My house is a lot older than Mary Ellen's, though. True that. Yikes. (laughs) I have two grapes. 
Tell me your gripes. So one is uh, the scene in the middle of the night where the polio kid who's staying with Mary Ellen and her sitting on the porch. Yeah. And she's, like, trying to get to know him. He has a book, like a notebook. And she's opening it, or she's asking him about it. And he says something along the lines of, I collect jokes. Yeah. And I was like, okay, but how about souls, you creepy fucker? (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) It would, like, made it worse that he didn't have a real name or, like, any backstory or context. (laughs) His name was Benji, and he had a leg brace because he had polio and his dad died in the war. Right. The Korean War. And we never meet his mom, but his mom was there. We see her. She, uh, oh, dad makes her ask a good question. Oh, sure. Sure. Sure, I blacked out. I (laughs) I mean, she's, like, there. So, my other one, which I think you're really gonna appreciate. Oh, boy. Is, they're in the kitchen, and Mary Ellen is talking to her mom, and they're just sort of shooting the shit over some philosophical life issue, and mom asks her to help make a salad. And so Mm -hmm. she hands over the salad bowl, and I swear to God, she was cutting a head of cabbage. (laughs) That did not look like lettuce. It definitely looked like cabbage. Those leaves were too thick. Oh my God, so weird. Kirstie has an issue about produce again. (laughs) I was like, is George Lucas there somewhere? Like, what's going on? (laughs) Are they eating fennel? Has anyone seen a salad? I'm concerned. (laughs) She was also just ripping off giant leaves and putting it in the bowl. I was like, is this your plan, Mary Ellen? Yeah, and then at one point she was just, like, literally just throwing it in the bowl. and yeah. not Like, there was nothing else in there. She was just flipping it around. <laughs> it was literally just a cabbage salad made of <laughs> uncut cabbage leaves. <laughs> like, if you want to be extraordinary, Mary Ellen... Maybe try doing something right. (laughs) Yeah, Mary Ellen. Yeah, Mary Ellen, get your shit together. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) So Mary Ellen was the worst. Mary Ellen was the worst. This movie was kind of a nothing. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have plenty to complain about. Oh, side note, what was happening with her wig? Mary Ellen's? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Her wig was a nightmare. <laughs> it was well, they so took the bad. hair from the dolls. Literally. They literally <laughs> might as well have. It was so bad. Not only that, but her hair color didn't match the undertone of her skin. Yeah. And it made her look like she currently had polio. <laughs> oh, no. It was not great. I didn't see a lot of set pieces that were also presumably things that get sold. Oh, interesting. Do we actually know for sure that this girl is a doll? Because at least some of the more modern movies are sort of like generic characters based on the make-your-own-doll line that they make. Which is a nightmare. Yeah. I'm looking it up. Yeah, we're doing the same thing. Oh, Oh, she she is super real. She's $153.98. Mega chill, mega chill. You can buy her diner set. We didn't even go to the diner. Yeah, we didn't. Her TV set? Holiday cookie cutters? None of this existed. Yeah, none of this was featured in the movie. I see her pants outfit. (laughs) And her PJs. 
I'm proud of your pants. Jukebox. Like, a lot of this stuff just wasn't in there, which is just bad planning. Yeah. Get your shit together. I mean, that's the whole point of the movies. Right. One other thing about this movie that has been sort of becoming a gripe for me over the last two years or so is that this is marketed as a holiday movie. It's like a Christmas movie. But it's Christmas in theory. Right. Like, it's Christmas because they kind of say the word Christmas like 45 times. But it's not. Yeah. There's nothing about it that's specifically Christmas. There isn't. Like, they didn't go the Hallmark route and have it be aggressively Christmas decorated. Which, like, I know that American Girl, like, needs to be open to a broad audience. And so I think that's fine. Like, I don't have an issue with them not aggressively celebrating Christmas. But then don't make it a Christmas movie. Right. Right. I just don't see the utility in that. It's not necessary. It's not necessary. Like, there could have been any other multitude of reasons why she wanted to do something nice for the polio kids. Right. Just so you know, you can buy Mary Ellen's Party Punch set for Ooh. $44. Does it include the punch mix? Well, I was hoping, but there's no booze that comes with this. Well, we need an American Girl for adults. It's a candle with a candle holder that's fake, a reindeer, a sled, a 7-Up bottle, and then a punch bowl with two cups. That's not great. For $44. Um, her books also don't seem to have anything to do with this movie, which is also strange for American Girl. Yeah, maybe Amazon just took too much creative license here. She had a dog? Oh, weird. Scooter? Scooter. We didn't meet Scooter. So she has one book about planning a birthday party, a family vacation, and her sister getting married. So that's where they got the sister marriage from. So I guess that worked out. And then there's another one. Oh, so her, like, first book, her premiere book, Mm -hmm. the description starts with, What if a girl suddenly found herself in Mary Ellen's world during the 1950s? How would her life be changed, and what would she do to fit in? And more importantly, what would she do to stand out? Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. Like, did they only choose the 1950s because the societal memory of the 1950s is, like, people trying to be homogenous? Maybe. (laughs) Probably. I mean, that's fine. It's just kind of like a boring version of what was going on in the 50s. Right. It's not incorrect. It's just boring. (laughs) Yeah. And there are other stories to tell about what was going on in the 50s. Like, let's spend more time on her mom being an airplane manufacturer than on, like, Mary Ellen trying to paint her door red. But she wanted to stand out. Building airplanes is extraordinary. Yeah, but she did that in the 40s, not in the 50s. Oh, God. I'm so sorry. Duh. They already have Molly. Original American Girl doll. R.I.P., I I think. R.I.P. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. Can I say one thing that bugs me a little bit about the clothing design on American Girl dolls? Sure. This bugged me with Samantha when I had her, Um, but I'm thinking about it now as I'm looking at pictures. So they have cloth bodies, right? Yep. But they design so many of the clothes so that you can still see the body. 
What do you mean? Like, Mary Ellen's got this little V-neck dress, and you can see a bunch of the cloth bodies sticking out. Oh! I had this on Felicity, too. So you can, like, see where her neck attaches to the cloth. Yeah, but American Girl wasn't trying to show little kids, like, boob cleavage. Yeah, they weren't designed for cleavage dolls, Mary Ellen. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so enough about Mary Ellen and her life choices. Yeah. Yeah, you guys know what to do about American Girl dolls. Yeah. Like, talk to us about it. Yeah. Let's talk about Hallmark. (laughs) Yeah, do we have to? (laughs) We gotta. Because it's hashtag hate watch Hallmark. I'm going to go on record and say the Mistletoe Inn <laughs> was the worst Hallmark movie I have ever seen and will ever see. I, well, don't make that promise yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's only December 6th. All right. There's still like 20 premieres no. left. No, I can't. <laughs> um oh newsflash because we talked about it in an episode and then never circled back we finally solved the mystery of why there are 33 hallmark movies and only 21 premieres right it's because there are two hallmark channels airing (laughs) christmas movies all day i feel like we have talked about this i don't think we did we talked talked about the double candaces that appear We've talked about the two Candaces and her corresponding two channels. <laughs> one for romantic comedies and one for heartwarming dramas. This is Kirsty's favorite part about Hallmark. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know why I find it so funny. It was like Candace came on the screen for the first promo when I was still new to Hallmark and had no oh idea what was God. going on. And she's like, did you know Hallmark has two channels? And I was like, what the like, fuck? <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> what? Why are there two of them? (laughs) Why not? (laughs) In other breaking news that's more breaking, (laughs) we learned that Hallmark makes a third of their full annual ad revenue on Christmas movies. Like, can you imagine? Like, the stakes are so high. We're all sitting here making fun of these stupid movies as if it's like nothing. But the stakes are so high. They are. That's a big deal. If a third of all of your revenue happens in a one-month span. Yeah, you gotta have your shit on lock. Can't be making this bullshit like mistletoe in. I mean, it seems to be working. Oh, I've seen, I've learned way more about Balsam Hill this year than I would have otherwise, and mistletoe in contributed to that. That's fair. <laughs> Say what you will about it, but we watched it. Are you going to, like, secretly be placing Balsam Hill orders? <laughs> have you already? You know, I did have the thought the other day after editing the last episode that I kind of wanted to look at their website. And then I was like, direct effective marketing, run! <laughs> Don't fall for it! No. I didn't do it, for the record. But I was just so curious because they have a scene where someone's, like, spreading out a Balsam Hill tablecloth. And I just, I don't know. Why do they have their own tablecloth? Right. They have an alarming lack of, like, social targeting from what I've found, though. Really? Well, like, we've been doing our research about Hallmark, and I've gotten zero paid content from Hallmark. And I'm like, hello, I'm right here. I hadn't thought about it, but you're right. I have to be their target demo. So here's a question that just reminded me, because I feel like right now everyone is kind of Hallmark's target demo. So is Hallmark, like, having a moment or something? 
It feels like this year, more than other years, watching Hallmark Christmas movies is trendy. Either that or we're more aware of it. I don't know, man. I've spent a lot of time on Twitter in the last few years. I feel like if we're talking about Linda Holmes, she always talks about Hallmark every year. Well, sure. But Linda Holmes is the only demographic. (laughs) Oh, no. Like, Linda Holmes is who the Hallmark (laughs) Channel was made for. Said with love. I'm picturing her, like, pining after Steven (laughs) while watching Hallmark Channel. Obviously. Flipping through the balsam hill again. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's a beautiful image. (laughs) I'm sorry, Linda. Sorry, Linda. Said with love. <laughs> I was just thinking this is not the time or place for me to launch into my fan fiction about Linda. <laughs> I mean, it would be a really good Hallmark movie. <laughs> the plot writes itself, really. <laughs> oh my god, she would maybe go to the mistletoe in too. <laughs> Oh my god, there's a there's so many possibilities. I mean, there's oh. a lot that you could do with podcast hosting in a Hallmark it's, movie. It's really true. <laughs> okay, shall we get into it? Yeah, because we're not going down that road, for sure. <laughs> uh, this horrible movie. I think you have to do the premise setting for this I'll one. I'll do the premise setting. Because I wrote down two notes for this whole movie. <laughs> so excited to see what the two noteworthy things were. <laughs> After an hour and a half of this bullshit. <laughs> so bad. So one thing I want to say is this movie is set in Vermont. And we definitely thought we were watching a different Vermont-based <laughs> Christmas movie. I was waiting the whole time for the venue to be the hero. We were told by my other friend who watches Hallmark movies that there would be a barn that would save the day by being an events venue, which is like, I'm the target demographic for that (laughs) in the sense that I literally had my wedding in a barn in Vermont. Right. So... I'm, that was not the movie that I watched. No, it wasn't? It was not. Our hope is to get back to that movie because it was the movie we deserved. (laughs) That's for sure. That's also the one with the How I Met Your Mother person. Yes. That I alluded to in the last episode and was wrong about. Yes, we both ended up being wrong. So this was a huge (laughs) disappointment. Also, there are a bunch of drone shots of evergreen trees with a CGI'd car driving down a road. Yeah. And I would just like to clarify for anyone who watches this movie (laughs) that Vermont does not have that many evergreen trees. Vermont also doesn't have the Rocky Mountains. Nope, we sure don't. (laughs) We've got much, much older mountains. Yeah. They are very petite. And they have lots of deciduous trees. They showed these, like, aerial landscapes that were not Vermont. No. It, It... One of them... Was, like, somewhere between a really bad knockoff Thomas Kincaid background in a snow globe and the establishing shots from various parts of Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is definitely not in Vermont. Like, Hallmark, where do you get your (laughs) B-roll? We talked about Hallmark using CGI in a 
in an older episode, and there were definitely, like, multiple CGI inserts. Really? Yeah, like, that that establishing shot of, like, New Zealand trying to be Vermont was yep. at least layered CGI. Yeah. Um, and then that shot I talked about of the car driving, which they showed twice, mm-hmm. was, at a minimum, again, layered CGI. <laughs> <laughs> we are so lucky. Yeah. Look at us go. Okay. So, all of that said, it was filmed in British Columbia, which is why it looked nothing like Vermont. Anywho, I'm not bitter. So, um, (laughs) our lady protagonist in this movie has a boyfriend, and in the very first scene, she's going to meet up with him at a book reading because they're both writers, and so they only do things related to literature when they're together. And he arrives, and he's like, uh... I wasn't expecting to see you here. And she's like, why not? And then he hands her a fake manuscript that's actually a breakup note. Yep. And so that's awkward. So he breaks up with her via manuscript and tells her that the reason is because she's not a serious writer. And she's not doing anything to further her writing career. And she never showed him her manuscript for her book. So that meant that they couldn't be together. So she spirals into a crisis and makes holiday cookies with her dad, and her dad convinces her to be a serious writer, and then she finds a writer's conference in Vermont and decides to go. So she goes to the writer's conference in Vermont. She makes a friend right away. She makes somewhat of a rival right away who then kind of disappears later, and she meet-cutes a guy who knocks into her luggage And makes fun of her for bringing Christmas decorations to decorate her hotel room with (laughs) for the four days that she'll be at the conference. So they have this big meeting. He goes away. They bump into each other. And then she goes to a bunch of classes. And there's a competition to have your manuscript read by this famous romance writer. And no one knows what he looks like. So he's this mystery man. So everyone's trying to figure out who he is. And everyone's like, oh, he might be at the conference already. So she's going to classes, she wins a round at the competition, so that means her manuscript will be submitted to the famous guy. And she starts hanging out with the guy she meet-cutes, and long story short, they end up going to New York City together because her book is shit, and she doesn't know what New York City looks like. So they pal around in New York City at Christmas time, and they fall in love, and then they have to, like, race back to the writer's conference. Other detail I left out, her ex-boyfriend is also at this conference, And makes lots of backhanded comments about how apparently now she's a serious writer and never told him that. Uh, So now he's also in the competition. He then sabotages her and throws away her manuscript so it never gets submitted. But this guy that she falls in love with does read her manuscript. And then they get back to the conference for the day of the competition where the famous writer is going to give his keynote speech and announce the winner of the competition. And who is it? (gasps) it's the mystery guy she's been palling around with all week no yeah it's weird uh so it turns out she's been dating this famous writer this whole time and she gets really betrayed by it she's like very upset about the throne of lies upon which he sits right so then they they fight a little bit and then they profess their love and it all works out fine in the end yeah yeah it sure does mistletoe in Ugh. There's a lot of dead space in this movie. So much dead space. <laughs> Which I know we've talked about before, like, this is a trend. No, but my ultimate gripe with this movie was that going to conferences is a nightmare. Yes. 
being in a conference setting is an absolute nightmare. Yes. Being in a conference setting at a hotel makes me want to set myself on fire. Yes. Watching a movie about being at a conference <laughs> in a hotel at Christmas is actually my worst nightmare. Like, if I was in the bad place, that's what would be happening. <laughs> I just think you're not decorating your hotel rooms enough. Listen, I have hotel decorated rooms just a hotel room enough. in my life, if you recall your bachelorette party. <laughs> I have traveled with penises in my luggage. It's fine. <laughs> that had to be super casually looked over by TSA. <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. I know a thing or two about decor. There were only like 20 penises in there. It's whatever. It's fine. <laughs> I did it for you. <laughs> for the record, I stated explicitly that there were to be no penises. <laughs> whatever. So there were instead rules. all the penises. <laughs> How could you have played dick toss if you didn't? <laughs> have penises at your party. <laughs> My favorite part was when we got into like penis jousting with the penis balloons. <laughs> we have fun, guys. Yeah. Um, but on a more festive note, so she like is in her hotel room and there's a fucking Christmas tree in there. It's like, did you bring that shit or did the hotel do that? And then they go to the hotel in New York and again there's like a Christmas tree in there. Like what the fuck does Hallmark think is happening in hotel rooms? <laughs> right. Also, their hotel room, what irritated me the most about their hotel in general was that the rooms had doors with, like, yeah. that, like, frosted glass. Like, the ultra-modern, like, three-panel yeah. glass. And, and I've like, been in plenty of hotel wood. rooms that have that for, like, the bathroom yeah. door. But no one does that on the door door. No, you don't want to see someone's shadow like moving around in their hotel right. room from or, the like, hallway. Or like, no, the lights are on or off. Like, no. Where did you find also, this hotel? This famous Canada? writer uses <laughs> fucking Canada. Sorry. This famous writer uses a typewriter. Ugh. It's part of his process, which is stated multiple times, and he. So there's like all this conflict between them when they're like flirting. Because he types at night and it's too loud and it interrupts her process, which requires tranquility. And whale And noises. she can hear it in a room all the way across the hallway from him. Like, these rooms are big and he's sitting at the far end of his room and she's sitting at the far end of her room with fucking whale sounds playing. And she can hear his typewriter. And right. then when they're in the hotel in New York, they're in two separate rooms. He's in the room next door and she can hear the typewriter through the wall. And she's like, oh, that's so charming. Yeah. And, like, so I lived in a hotel for a, room, for a year. Like, I have a lot of experience with hotels. That makes you sound like a transient being or something. It, it was college. It happens. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but We went to a weird school. <laughs> it was very normal. <laughs> we went it to was... a weird school. It didn't have enough places for us to stay, so they made us stay in a hotel. I had friends who lived <laughs> in a different hotel. I spend a lot of time in hotels, I guess. Shut up. <laughs> but the soundproofing is bad. <laughs> but like, you gotta be staying in a Motel Six or some shit for it to be that bad, right? The only line I wrote down <laughs> was her saying, "I'm sorry, I just need to be with a serious writer right now." They, like, why did that keep coming up? That's how her boyfriend broke up with her too. Like, 
Well, Are you only compatible with other writers? Well, and this is like a Hallmark thing, right? Because like the ice sculpting guy dated two ice sculptors. Yeah. Like, why do you have to be? Oh, uh, what's her face from Sweetest Christmas was a baker and dated a chef. You're right. I think you're onto something. Right? Not so much in Switch to Christmas. Although the real estate was a link. Yeah, that one chick had a workplace man ish. Yeah. I don't know. Switch to Christmas was too confused. <laughs> there was just a lot going on there. Everyone was in love with Kate. That was my only takeaway. <laughs> but yeah, like, why Why do you have to be... And both of them have day jobs. Like, neither of them are professional writers. Like, they have their manuscripts, but they also have day jobs. So it's like, again, Hallmark struggling with hobbies. But you can only date someone with the same hobby slash dream job yeah i don't know i don't know and she's not a serious writer obviously yeah obviously like if i want to be a writer too i can go to a conference it doesn't make me a writer well apparently it does one of my favorite lines is when she meets her like pseudo rival who has the horrible southern accent Mm -hmm. and the woman's like how many times have you been published? And she goes, well, I haven't been published yet. Like, I'm finishing the ending of my first book. And the woman goes, well, everyone has to get through that. Like, well, duh. Right. Thank you for your sage wisdom, (laughs) strange southern lady. Yikes. (laughs) Um, A couple of other quotes I got, as long as we are on that. Yeah. I think it's her boyfriend saying this to her when they break up, or maybe she says it to someone else about the breakup. It's like somehow in that context. But someone says, in literary terms, we call that book ending. Oh, I remember that happened. In literary terms. Yeah, she says, you're not the only one who takes writing seriously. And then she and the famous writer, or no, maybe it's her friend. She and someone are having casual conversation because she gets up in the morning to go for a run. And the other person goes, I bet you stayed up all night waiting for Santa as a kid. And she goes, didn't everyone? (sighs) Control your Christmas boner, people. (laughs) It was like, there were multiple conversation points where someone would say something Christmassy like that. And it was just for the sake of Christmas, not because that's actually like how people talk. Right. Uh, So they have all of their like lectures assigned by quails on a Christmas tree. Partridges, to be yep. clear. Yep. Go um, quails. <laughs> well, because she and her friend have this whole conversation about the difference between partridges and quails. Did they? Yeah. So she, uh, her friend leads her sure. over to the tree to pick up the ornaments so they can see what their lectures will be. And her friend says something about the partridge. And Lady Protag goes, I thought it was a quail. And her friend goes, a partridge is a quail with a better publicist. Oh, boy. Ha 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 Writing jokes. <laughs> Get it? Because it's literary. Uh. Their first writing assignment, uh, the quote from their facilitator was, for your first assignment, you will write two pages of a man and a woman meeting in a holiday setting. Like, no. Super casual. So original. <laughs> um, let's see. So the famous writer guy reads her manuscript, and he's, like, telling her how great it is. 
And he goes, it was funny. It was smart. It was festive. It's a triple threat. <laughs> that is what I think of when I think of triple threats. <laughs> I kind of want to change my Twitter bio to funny, smart, <laughs> festive, and triple Do threat. It. <laughs> Um, at another point, they're on a first date, and he says, the point of writing isn't about getting discovered. It's about self-discovery that others can enjoy. Oh. And then later in that date, he says, I've always thought all literature is romance. The heart is the landscape in which we toil. <laughs> <laughs> no! This is the bullshit I'm talking about that made me want to blow my brains out watching this movie. It's like, if you want to listen to a keynote speaker for two hours, the keynote speaker with a Christmas boner. (laughs) It's worth noting there was a line very similar to that in The Christmas Train, which I have also seen. (laughs) And also features two writers, although those are journalists. And I wonder if this line was one of the, like, first stabs in that screenplay. You know, on my audiobook app, they keep suggesting the Christmas Train book to me. Oh my god, is it a book? Yeah. Oh, because Hallmark makes books? Or was it a book before Hallmark? I think it was just a regular book that Hallmark picked up the rights to. No fuck. Because we discovered, uh, like, last week that Hallmark does also make ebooks of certain movies. Yeah, there's, like, a whole web that we learned about today. (laughs) There's other podcasts. You can really go deep. Yeah. I have three more quotes. Tell me your quotes. They're great. Oh. (laughs) Are they? (laughs) My my voice is the landscape in which I toil. (laughs) (laughs) So... The drinking game of this movie, by the way, is to drink anytime someone says if you're going to be a writer. Yep. But he, the famous writer guy, is hanging out with her, and she's very uptight about feedback, and she doesn't take it well, and that's why she doesn't want anyone to read her writing. And he says, if you're going to be a writer, you're going to need to learn to take feedback, even if that means standing still while while someone throws snowballs at you. Uh-huh. And then he proceeds to throw snowballs at her. So charming. As if that is somehow cute. (laughs) Later, she says, my dating life makes the Titanic look like a pleasure cruise. (laughs) And (laughs) too soon, (laughs) Hallmark? Too soon. (laughs) I just, that line is gibberish. (laughs) (laughs) It's like... A random Twitter bot that just generates yes. words. <laughs> like, also, say nothing of the fact that the Titanic was literally a pleasure cruise that just happened to hit an iceberg. So, like, is that the metaphor she was going for? Because if so, she didn't. She didn't do it, right? But I don't know. Or did she mean a pleasure cruise? Oh, baby! Ooh, <laughs> that Christmas boner. <laughs> That Christmas boner, though. Christmas boner is my favorite thing that's come out of Hallmark Me too. I counted four official Christmas boners. 
I wrote Christmas boner on one of your Christmas presents. (laughs) (laughs) It says to Christmas boner. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so good. So my last quote, which is also a gripe, is um, the famous writer guy is taking her to New York City, but he stages it as a surprise. So he just tells her to pack her bag for an overnight trip. Yeah. And they're getting ready to go. And she says, where are we going? Green Mountain Valley? Winooski River? Yes. Like, speaking of Twitter bots, are we just now going to word vomit (laughs) anything that has ever been said in Vermont? Yep. Like, the Green Mountain Valley is not a thing. No, it is not. And if it were, does anyone at Hallmark know how a valley works? It's not one place that you go to. It's not? There's not one thing that is a valley. It is typically a region that is a valley because, spoiler alert, mountain ranges are big. What? It's weird how that works. Also, the Winooski River is really fucking long. It covers, like, half the state. So, like, where are you going? Also, no one goes to the Winooski River just to go there. What'd you think you were going to accomplish overnight in the middle of fucking December on a river in Vermont? Also, I feel personally betrayed that any movie would pretend that it's about Vermont and then feature an extended sequence in New York City. Yeah. Because I hate New York I City had movies issues on with principle. That and I didn't sign up for that. Exactly. It was not supposed to be a New York is Miraculous movie. Also, Vermont and New York are really not that close. They're not. It's like a six or seven hour drive. And it's like a one hour flight, but it's not like there's just any old flights hopping out of our tiny podunk regional airport every fucking hour of the day. Especially with that intense security that you have to deal with up there. Hey, It's bad. They're jerks. They take themselves very seriously up at BTV. Uh-huh. You don't know what it's like. Uh-huh. You've never had to be pat down, swabbed for explosives, and double x-rayed because you had one Sharpie in your carry-on. <laughs> Why did you bring a Sharpie on vacation? I didn't know it was in my bag. Uh-huh. It's It was in my Starbucks days. There were Sharpies oh, all boy. over the fucking place. I didn't know. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Swabbed for explosives. (laughs) Burlington International Airport. Anyway. Suck my dick. That drama aside. (laughs) I really need to be with a serious podcaster right now. I need to be with a serious podcaster right now. (laughs) You didn't bring enough Christmas decorations last time we went on vacation. <laughs> in she July, she literally brought string lights in her suitcase. What other things are like appropriate Christmas decor to travel with? Uh, maybe if you had like small enough tinsel. Wait, real talk. Did she bring mistletoe with her to hang? It's not clear. So this is where I don't really understand Hallmark's game because the hotel had mistletoe on each of the doors. Yeah. Which is how she ends up under the mistletoe with the flirty McFlirt face. And then there's, like, Christmas trees in everybody's room. Or at least in her room. So I was willing to believe that she brought her own fake Christmas tree. (laughs) But then they go to New York, and their hotel room has, like, garland 
on the windowsills and mistletoe and a tree. So I really think Hallmark thinks hotel rooms decorate for Christmas. Which is wild. Which would mean that every room in that hotel in Vermont had a Christmas tree in it. Yep. So I'm not really sure what she contributed by bringing her, like, two sad strands of lights and her teddy bear with a Santa hat. And her whale sounds. And her whale sounds. She did bring (laughs) whale sounds. I didn't know that that's what was happening. So in my notes, I was like, why is there howling wind? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know either. I was like, is this a bad sound effect? (laughs) I mean, yes. Yes, but... not, not the one we thought. Right. Yeah. Yikes. So... Yeah. Anyway, if you, too, feel like you need to be with a serious writer right now, <laughs> where should they go, Kiersey? You can find us on Twitter at HateWatchWithUs, or you can send us your manuscript to HateWatchWithUs at gmail.com. Although, real talk, if you do that for real, <laughs> I can't promise that it won't make it onto the show. Um, <laughs> with love. Uh, you can It'll also- be like Threat Level Midnight. <laughs> Oh my god, we we will happily do a dramatic reading of pretty much anything you send us. Yeah. You can also find us via the Thought Bubble Audio Network, of which we are members, because we're awesome. They live at Thought Bubble FM on Twitter and thoughtbubbleaudio at gmail.com. They also have a website, thoughtbubbleaudio.com. We also have a website, hatewatchlist.com, if you can remember all of that then you should find all of the other shows that you can find in all those places to, you know, economies of scale and time and things. And then you can also tune into other episodes of our shit anywhere you find podcasts. Yeah, you can. And if you like it, you can review it. Please but review no pressure. It. A couple of people have submitted reviews and we can't see them because there's not enough reviews for iTunes to recognize them. So can you review us? Yeah, you can just write Christmas boners are really funny. Just submit Christmas boner in all caps. See where it gets you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. The, the folks in Mountain View, California will be like, I don't know what's happening over there. <laughs> I hope everyone's okay. It'll be fine. <laughs> and uh, we will see you next time with more Hallmark to hate watch. <laughs> I'm really sorry to everyone who hates Hallmark. <laughs> December's almost over, guys. We're going to be okay. Yeah, it'll be great. We'll get through this together. All right. Well, thanks for putting up with us. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Like, talk to us about it. They're cool. They're they're a thing. I don't know. (laughs) Take that out, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, get rid of that. We're done. I'm done.